praise the name of Jesus. We have gone through the first three parts of our checkup and or in our discipleship process. And today we will be wrapping it up with the last portion dealing with service. And I want to preach a message entitled in the king's service in the king's service because everything that we do that we are serving in whatever capacity it is not solely for the man or the woman that you're serving but it is for the king of glory whether you're serving your husband your wife your children your parents in ministry in your workplace wherever it is you are serving the king of glory and so that's what we as the children of God have got to be assured of that we are serving him with all of our hearts as we dealt with the first three messages, we learned that as we grow in our love for God, we will grow in our devotion to our family in Christ and in our compassion for the lost. But there's something else that should happen. It is that we should also grow in our desire to serve as invaluable parts within the body of Christ. Notice I said invaluable parts within the body of Christ. Each person that is sitting here needs to understand something. We all have got to come to the realization that God has put something inside of you that the rest of us need in order for all of us to get to where God is trying to take us as a body of believers. And if you or I decide that we are not going to step into that realm and utilize the gifts and the talents that God has put in us, then the rest of the body of Christ will be hindered and we will never get to the place that God is trying to take us. Amen, somebody. And so we realize that we are all valuable to the Lord and we are invaluable to one another. And that's what should be in our heart is that we should desire to serve. Serving is one of the greatest ways to make our existence matter in terms of selfless devotion to Christ and his cause. If you want to make your existence matter in this earth and that you don't just go by just existing, you know, just breathing up air. Hallelujah. You know, you want your life to matter. The best way to do that is to get committed to serving the king of glory, to get committed to serving him in his cause for his purpose, not for your own, because it's not for our glory. It's not for our honor. It is for his glory and for his honor as a benefit of being connected in this service. He exalts his servants and he raises them up and he glorifies them with him. But still in all, the higher he lifts us, the higher we should be lifting him, the greater he elevates elevates us, the more we should elevate him. The higher the platform is that he gives us, the more we should do that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so here we find in this text, I love it because it shows, first of all, I should preach this again on Mother's Day and just use the first portion here, because we have this mother who is coming to Jesus on behalf of her sons. This mother is coming to the Savior. She recognizes, I mean, it's toward the latter part of his ministry, and she's coming to him because she recognizes that he has power to answer prayers. He has power to make stuff happen. And when she comes to him, she doesn't ask him for anything in this earth. She doesn't ask him for anything like that, which shows us a good thing because as parents, as people who are praying to God, we should always have eternity in focus. When we're seeking the face of the Lord, we should have eternity on our minds. And this is what this mother has. She has eternity on her mind and she begins to ask Jesus a question she says Lord grant it that these two sons of mine that one would sit on your right hand and the other on your left now she had eternity in mind but she didn't have the right things in mind hello somebody 
She should have been praying, Lord, make my sons the type of servants that can earn that right to sit beside you. Make my sons with those kind of hearts. Give them that kind of heart. You see, because we don't make reservations with heaven the way that we do on this earth. Hello, somebody. You know, you call up, be like, you know, if you, if you decide after church you're going to go somewhere, you could call up and say, yeah, you know, we're going to be there. You know, if you decide to go to Chili's, hallelujah, you can call, get a little 15 minutes early and tell them we're on the way, hallelujah, so your wait won't be as long. You reserve stuff. It ain't like that in heaven, y'all. We've got to live our lives reserving our, our, our blessing, not our, not our position, because Jesus already secured that for us, amen, but, but, but earning and, and getting to the place, because we are all going to be tested by fire when we come before his throne, everything that we ever did on this earth is going to go through this fiery trying, and then at the end of it, the things that he called us to do and the things that we did the right way, guess what? Those things are going to get out, and we're going to be rewarded for those things, but the things that were not of him, the things that did not bring glory to him, they will be consumed in the fire, and they will have been a waste of time. How many of y'all want to waste your time here on the earth? I hope no hand went up, glory to God. Everybody wants to make sure that they don't waste time because we do not have time to waste. And so we find this story here where the mother goes and she asks this thing of Jesus. And Jesus tells her, well, listen, you don't know what you ask because those are some high seats. Hello. There's, there, there's a cost with those seats. And so she, he, he says, there, says, are, are y'all able to drink the cup? In other words, are y'all able to suffer like I'm going to suffer? Are, y'all, are, are you able to go through the rejection and everything like I went through? Are, 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 are you able to go through all of that? And see, they're crazy. They're, they're, they're nuts because they like respond like just matter of factly, we are able. You got you to be out of your mind. But see, they didn't understand the whole thing of what Jesus was about to suffer. If they would have, if, if Jesus would have asked them this question post-cross, they would have been like, mm, not so sure about that right there. I, 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 I'll be all right to just sit in the, in, in, the, in the nosebleed section up there in heaven as long as I just make it. You know, I, I, I ain't trying to drink that cup that you drank in order to be seated in glory. And so, obviously, this is a situation where the other disciples, they get a little bit offended. And they get a little bit upset, and they're like, yo, man, you know, why y'all tripping like that, man, sending your mama to talk to Jesus that way? That's what they're saying, you know. You got Ma. Look, look, look what Ma does. Ma, look, she, she doesn't just come to Jesus. She bows down to Jesus. So, you know, you know how it is when moms ask you stuff. It's a little different. Hello, somebody. You know, when, when, when mom comes and asks you something, you know, your heart is moved, you know. So, and, and so they're, 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 they're almost manipulating the situation, right? So the disciples, they get upset. They're like, listen, you know, this, this is not right. And so Jesus brings them all together, and he gives them a little rebuke. And here's what we've got to understand, church, is that the work of the kingdom is too important to be neglected, and it is too costly to be entrusted to hired hands. The work of the kingdom is important. It is vital. If we are not committed to the work of the kingdom, the work of the kingdom is not going to get done. And we will have a generation that will pass just like the ones that we see prophesied in the scripture or or, or recorded in the scriptures where it says one generation rose up that did not know the Lord. Why did they not know the Lord? Because the preceding generation did not do their job in taking up the mantle of authority and instructing the people in the ways of the Lord correctly and showing them 
understand the things of God. And so what happens is you have a generation that rises up and does not know the Lord. Now, I don't know about every single person in here, but I know most of you in here are committed to making sure that our children and their children know the Lord. Amen, somebody. That, that they are committed. And so it is important for us to ensure that we are committed to the work of the kingdom. We had an awesome meeting a couple of, a, a few weeks ago, and Pastor Aldo and I sat down, and we were talking about the, the statistics in Faith Dome and how many people actually serve in this church. And we know, because I've said this, you know, how many times I can't even remember, but tons of times I've said that the statistic for people who serve in churches is like 10%. So usually you have like 10% of the people in the church doing 100% of the work. Now, that doesn't seem fair, does it? I got Pastor Aldo shaking his head. No, I was waiting on y'all to answer me. Does that seem fair? Okay, okay, glory to God, you know, because, you know, when, when, when your children are babies, it's okay for them to make a mess and do stuff. But when they start to get a little bit old, it ain't fair that mama's picking up after everybody. <laughs> It, 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 it ain't right that the dishes are filling up in the dishwasher, I mean, in, in the sink there, and ain't nobody coming by to wash dishes. Hold on. We, we need to get some correction in that, right? So, so here, here's what it is. It's okay when we're babies for, you know, 10% of the people to do the work, but when we grow up in maturity, it's not okay. Hello, somebody. So you know what that means? Either we got some lazy, mature folks, or we got some babies. Hello, somebody. In, in the national average, but in faith dome, glory to God. I want to talk about faith dome for a moment because I, I got excited about this. In, 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 our, in our checking up all the numbers, we found out that in faith dome of fellowship, there is a 50% group of people that are serving. Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise. That's pretty impressive. Glory to God. But in the standards of the Lord, it's still not enough. Why? Because we need to have 100% of the people that call themselves vision carriers committed to serving. Amen, somebody? It needs to be that way. But we have this importance of doing the work of the kingdom. And you see, we could go ahead and we could just hire a bunch of people to try to do the work. But guess what? That just went, There's too much work to be done. There is too much inspiration. And, and so what happens is it's too costly. So who are the ones that are called to do this work? It's called bond servants. Say bond servants. Bond servants are the ones that God is looking for. Not just regular servants, but a bond servant is a servant who is bound to some service, bound to something for a reason. Jesus, now hear this, Jesus came as a bond servant for us. And you and I are to be the same in this world. Jesus came as a bond servant. He came as a bond servant for what? Look, look, look what the scripture said. We, we got to look at this here because Jesus goes on and look at verse 25 here. He says there, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Now look, he's, he's pointing something out. He's saying, listen, you know, the rulers of this world, when they get a position, they forget about how, how much they can serve. Pastor Lewis, he was telling me something the other day about a promotion that he got in his job. And he said, you know, now I'll get this promotion. And he said, and I don't have to be out there doing all the work. And it was like killing him. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do because he has a servant heart. He doesn't want this promotion. I can guarantee you he's going to be all promoted and all great, still getting dirty with everybody else because that's just how he is. But see, not everybody's like that. Some folks, the higher they get elevated, they're just happy because they have more people under them to do everything that they don't want to do hello and you got to do what I'm saying because I'm so-and-so not the right mindset for the church not the right mindset for the church 
Jesus didn't call us to be superstars. He called us to be super servants. Hello, somebody. He called us to be those who will serve others, who will have a heart that is right. And it's tough because, you know, it's easy to let everybody do the grunt work and then show up and smile and say, yeah, this is my ministry. It's easy to do that. It's easy to do that. But to actually allow yourself to become part of the labor that is involved in it is something totally different. And that will only happen when you allow God to get a hold of your heart. So Jesus is rebuking the mindset that is among those who rule. In verse 26, he says, But whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. So if you want to be great, you, you want to be great. And, and when it's talking about being great, he's not talking about being great in the eyes of this world. He's talking about about being great in the eyes of the king of kings in the eyes of the father if you want to be great among those people in the eyes of God then you need to go on ahead and you need to become a slave he goes on to say and whoever desires to be first in other words whoever desires to be a leader whoever desires to walk ahead of others and have others follow them he says he or she must become a slave hello and that don't sound like fun but it's the truth if you're going to lead, then you know what? You are bound to that leadership position. And you are not there for your glory. Hello. You are not there to just make folks feel better. You are there for what? To bring glory and honor to the king of kings. That's all it is. That is what you're there in leadership for. And so for us husbands, glory to God. Hallelujah. Y'all knew I was coming, right? Amen. For us husbands who decided that we couldn't be alone because, you know, we just weren't created that way. Hallelujah. We, 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 we couldn't fly solo for the rest of our lives. Had to have a helpmate, glory to God. You have decided to be first. So that means, oh, y'all don't want to hear this. I know, I know, I know. You have decided that you are going to be a slave. Oh, man, that's not fun. I want to have fun. The slavery ain't fun. Hold on a second. Listen, you are a slave to Christ. Amen. You are a slave. I know folks don't want to hear this, but read the book of Romans. You'll be all right with it. Glory to God. Listen. Listen. You're a slave to the king of kings. And you have been called as a man of God to lead your family in a manner that is worthy to be called the man of the house. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Listen. He who desires to be first. This is Jesus' words. But he goes on to point out, he says, I'm not telling you this because I just want to be cute. He said, but in verse 28, he's saying, you're going to be this servant. You're going to be this slave. You want to be great and you want to be first just as. So he's saying, wait a second, I'm connecting with you. You, you men, you know, you leaders, you, you children of God that are called to serve, I'm connecting with you because I want you to do just as I do. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, he didn't come to be waited on, but came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so what he's saying is when you have a person who was a bond servant, when you go back into the law, you look around Deuteronomy and all of these places here, you'll 
find that when a, when a person was sold to someone because of their inability to pay because they became poor, what would happen is they would become indebted and then the way that they would pay off their debt is by working as a servant or as a slave for this person. Well, according to the law, you had to go on ahead and you worked until your payment was done or you worked for six years and then on the seventh year, if you were a child of the kingdom, you were released and you went, and you went on and you, you know, got a blessing and all that good stuff. But that's what a bond servant was. A bond servant was someone who was bound to their service until a debt was paid. And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, everybody walking on planet earth, and you got to get this, every single person that is sitting in this place, if you know Jesus, you've been set free because of what he did. But if you do not know him, you are bound to sin. You are a slave to sin. You are a slave to unrighteousness. You are a slave to ungodliness. You are a slave to things that are an offense to God. And so what Jesus did is he came and he said, now listen, if I do not pay this ransom, they will never be free. They can never work off the debt. They can never pay it back. They can never do enough good deeds in order to earn their right into heaven. Therefore, I am going to come in proxy of them and I am going to take their position as a bond servant. I'm going to live a perfect life, not like them. I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to fulfill the law. I'm going to be rejected and abused, going to be crucified, and I'm going to resurrect and I'm going to offer them this wonderful gift, which is a certificate that says, paid in full, you're free. Do you want it? But see, I'm not just letting, see, Jesus wasn't just letting you go, hallelujah, but what Jesus was doing was he was setting you free. There's a difference. He didn't just come and say, your debt has been paid, but he said, your debt has been paid, and when you accept this gift, I'm going to enter your life, and I'm going to set you free from the desire to sin. Hello, somebody. Because see, there's a whole lot of people that want that certificate paid in full, but do you want to live that life of freedom? Do you want to live that life, not listen, not just singing songs, not just shouting or whatever, no, 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 but living that life that truly exemplifies, I've been set free by the Son of God. This is what Jesus came to do, came to set us free. So the first thing we got to understand, say this with me, we must understand what it means to be a bond servant. See, as a result of what Jesus did on that cross, as a result of Jesus being the servant that he was, you know what we do? We, in response, we become servants of Christ. We submit ourselves as bond servants. When you read throughout the scriptures and you look at the apostle Paul, he calls himself a bond servant. He calls Timothy a bond servant. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, you'll find when, when Jesus is speaking to the church in Thyatira, he communicates and he says that he has an issue with them because they have allowed this woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to come in and teach sexual immorality to the servants or the bond servants of the Lord. So who is he talking to? He is talking to the church, as a church, as a child of God, as one who has said, I've received the gift of salvation. Every one of us is called to be these bond servants to Christ, committed to him because of what he's done in our lives. And if it's an issue for us to be what I'm about to define, then we need to check ourselves and where we are in regards to him. The word bond servant is trans or it's translated from the word in the Greek, duolos, which it means and is used 130 times in the New Testament. It's the most common word for the word servant. 
servant. And what it means is it means a slave. It means a bondman, a man of servile condition, a slave. Metaphorically, what it means is one who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. It means to be devoted to another to the disregard of one's own of, of one's own interest. Now hear me. You're a bond servant, right? That means that you are given to the will of God disregarding your own interest. Did you hear that, church? Remember, this is a checkup, right? Hallelujah. Am, am, am I really a bondservant? Am I really living for Christ? See, I don't want to just talk to you about serving in a particular area because you can serve in a particular area in ministry and still not be a bondservant. What do you mean, Bishop? How is that possible? You can love to do something. And because of your love to do that, you will go on ahead and you will do it and do it and do it until you get burnt out or whatever the case may be. You will do that because you love it, not because you love Jesus. Hello? So here, a person who is given to another's will. This is what it means to be a bondservant. Jesus Christ was bound to the will of the Father. Hear me. His satisfaction was found in his obedience to the Father's direction, not necessarily the act itself. What do I mean by this? Jesus would, would, would be happy casting out a demon as well as be happy talking to a woman at the well. Jesus would be happy doing these wonderful things, sitting down and communicating these parables as well as going to the cross because of what? Now, we all know that the cross was no kind of joy. Hello. We know that the cross was not fun. Jesus prayed for three hours straight the same prayer. Lord, if it is your will, remove this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. He was demonstrating I'm a bond servant. I'm not given to my will or to my feelings, but I am given to the desire of the Father. And so when Jesus, when he went through with the cross, he didn't enjoy the cross itself. But the Bible says he endured the cross in the book of Hebrews for the joy that was set before him. What joy can be set before you looking at a cross? It's when you look beyond the cross. It's when you look beyond the task. It's when you look beyond what is in front of you to the one you're serving, to the one who you are bringing glory and honor. That's the joy to hear things like, well done, good and faithful servant. That is the joy that is set before us as the children of God. One who is truly, uh, truly bound to the will of the Father will not be as concerned with what they are doing as much as they will be consumed with who they are doing it with and why they are doing it. When we are really bond servants, we're not so caught up and overwhelmed with what I'm doing. Our question is, who am I doing it with? Am I doing it with the king of glory? Am I doing it because of the king of glory? Am I doing it because of what he's done for me? When, that, when you are like that, then you know, I'm a bond servant. I'm bound to this no matter what. I can serve on whatever level because of what? Because of what Jesus did for me. Second thing, please repeat after me. We must check. Our source of our service. Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 verse 7 through 11.
When you got to say so. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to another, to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Our service to the Lord should not be a negative burden, but it should be a labor of love for Christ and the purpose and the people we are serving. Now, here, now here's something that we've got to realize, that any service is obviously is work. Hello. It's, it's going to be something that's going to be difficult. It's going to be something that you're going to have to, you know, do something out of the norm in order to accomplish it. In other words, you're not going to be able to serve sitting behind your television. You're not going to be able to serve out of your garage unless you're letting someone bring their vehicle to your garage so you can change their oil. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to serve on your own agenda and according to your own standards. That's just not going to happen. But if you are going to serve, then what's going to require is that you make some sacrifices. And you know what? Sacrifices are difficult. That's the bottom line. For people that are part of music ministry, it's difficult. They got to come while everybody else was chilling in the house, enjoying family and everything. Guess what they were on Saturday? They were here having rehearsal, rehearsing for a couple of hours. And you know what? That's part of being in ministry. That's just a sacrifice. For those people who may not be part of the music ministry, those who study and prepare for Bible studies and things like that, while everybody else is with family, watching TV or whatever they're doing, you know, going to the mall, shopping or whatever's going on, guess what? That person is locked up in a room praying and studying their Bible, seeking the face of God to be able to communicate to the people of God what the Word of God teaches. So whatever it is you're doing, if you're working in children's ministry, working in nursery, you should be, glory to God, preparing yourself in order to minister unto those children, to prepare yourself to be able to provide them life. And so when you are going to be in any kind of service for the Lord, it's going to require some sacrifice, but it shouldn't be a negative burden. It shouldn't be something that is overwhelming you. And you know when it becomes a negative burden? It becomes a negative burden when you disconnect from the purpose and really the person whom you're serving. When you disconnect from the one whom you are serving, which is, which is Christ, ultimately, when you disconnect from him and you're not focused on him and you allow your service to feed you, and what I mean by that is you get caught up thinking, well, you know what, I'm doing something for the Lord, so I'm pleasing him. Hello, somebody. Listen, God doesn't want you to just do stuff for him. He wants you to do stuff with him. He wants you to have intimate relationship with him apart from and outside of your service. You have to have, if you don't have that, then you're not really connected to him. The only time you're connecting with him, and it's not even for you, it's for others. Because you know what? When I get up and I preach the word, whatever, it looked that, that it's, it's for me first, you know, and I receive all of that. But it's not, I'm not asking God what he wants to speak to me. Because God may be speaking something different to me as a leader than he wants to speak to the people of God. And so what does that mean? That means that everything that's coming out is not just for Jason. Hello? It's for the church. So if I'm not spending time with God for Jason, 
then we're going to have issues because guess what happens? I disconnect and then coming, you know, opening up the church, doing all of these things, they become a burden that is negative, not the burden that is from God that drives me to do it. So it's important that if we're going to serve that we don't lose focus of the reason. So what do these scriptures teach us here? These scriptures teach us how or what should be our motivation. First of all, looking at verse 7, it says here, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And so the first thing that we find here is the apostle Peter communicates the end of all things is at hand. And obviously, this is written, you know, a long, long time ago, and Jesus has not returned yet. But what he's saying is we are living in the end times. Therefore, there should be some urgency within you and within me to do what? To serve. There should be some urgency within you and I to do what he says. He says to be serious and watchful in our prayers. So the first thing we got to do, our motivation has got to be the understanding or the urgency of the necessity of our service. As we move on, it says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sin. And so we understand that the second thing that should be motivating us in our service is our love for one another. He goes on to say in verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and the dominion forever and ever. And so we understand we must see the necessity of our service being in the end times. We must have a love for one another. We must recognize that each person, not some people, church, every person in this place has received some type of gift. You know how the Apostle Peter breaks it down? He breaks it down into two categories. He says the ones that serve and the ones that speak. He says, so either you are in here and you have a gift that is going to serve or you have a gift that is going to speak. You have one or the other. It's something God or God has deposited something inside of you. And so when we go through, we're going to go into phase two of our mentoring program and we'll get a little bit more in depth into all of the different gifts that there are. But in, but, but on a basic level, they're the ones that speak and the ones that serve. And he says, each person that is in the church has received the gift. Therefore, we've got to do what? We have got to minister it to one another. And what is the purpose of it? It is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And so that is our purpose in our service. The third thing I need you to repeat after me, please, is we must rejoice in our privilege to serve the king. Now, I want to bring you to some scriptures. Turn to the book of John with me. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, please. Because, you know, we talked about this slavery here and about being slaves and servants. And sometimes that can get a little bit discouraging. But John chapter 15, and we're going to look at verse 15. John chapter 15 and verse 15, when you got to say so. And look at what Jesus says, speaking to his disciples. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. And so even though our response should be that we are bound to him as servants and that we are bound to his will, he says, I call you friends because I don't just want you to serve me, but I want relationship with you. I want an intimate relationship with you. Now turn with me to the book of Romans. I want to 
give you a little bit further encouragement here. The, the book of Romans chapter 8, please. The book of Romans chapter 8, verse 12, when you got it, say so. And it says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. And so pause with me for a moment. He says, we are debtors. Remember, we talked about the bondservant mentality and Jesus coming to have to pay the price for us. And he says that because he paid this price, we are debtors. There's another translation. It says we are obligated. So there is an obligation that comes with this gift. The gift of salvation is free, but the Bible clearly says that we are to work it out with fear and trembling. We shouldn't walk around. The scriptures also teach us that we should not use our liberty as a license to sin. Hello. And so he says here that we are debtors, we are, we, 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 are, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so it is the Spirit of God who empowers us to say no to sin, to say no to our carnal desires, to say no to all of those things that do not originate in the heart and the will of God. It's the Spirit that allows us to put those things to death. And he goes on to say, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And in the book of Romans encourages us that if we are being led by the Spirit of God, that we are what? We are sons. We are children of God. But look at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, hallelujah. So what happens is when you were in the world before you knew Christ, you were bound by a fear because you know what? You knew that hell was waiting for you if you die without your Savior. Hello. You knew that there was no assurance in your death. But when Christ entered into your life and your life comes into alignment with him, there is assurance of what? My spirit is crying, Abba, Father. And that's why Jesus says that we must become like little children because little children have one desire in their life and it is to please their parents hello somebody pick children want to make sure little not 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 you know so some grown children they get a little crazy as they grow up glory to God but 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 when we and I say we because we all went through our craziness but when we were small all we wanted was daddy's or mommy's affirmation hello Everything we do, my daughter, everything that she does, daddy, look at this. And then she's like, I don't think you liked it. I'm like, listen, 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 listen. Listen, don't, 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 don't get crazy. I like it, all right? I'm smiling. I, I smiled. I, you know, I didn't jump for joy, but, I, you know, I liked it, you know? But what it is is that they want, the children want that affirmation. They want their parents to tell them they did a good job. They want to do things to please their parents because they love them. It is the same thing, church, when we have experienced the love of Christ. What happens is the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, cries out to our Heavenly Father. And our motivation to be bondservants is not because someone says we have to be, not because we read somewhere in the scriptures, but because we have met the Father and we know a love like we have never known. Therefore, we do not want to do anything to offend the lover of our soul. We don't want to do anything thing to dishonor him. Therefore, we are considerate and we are cautious with our lives and with our decisions because of what? Because he loves us and he has put inside of us a cry for him. Hallelujah. 
And so this is the heart of a bond servant, glory to God. Someone who serves him because of that love. So here's what should happen. While we should be, we should be grateful to our heavenly father who has adopted us into his family and has gifted us and given us the privilege to serve him in different capacities. Look, as we became sons and daughters of the king, he deposits within us at that same time the gifts that he wants to put in us that are for the utilization, for the profit of all, church. This is what the scriptures teach us. He puts it in us, and we rejoice in being sons, and we rejoice in being daughters. But at the same time, we should also desire to serve the Lord to the utmost. To serve him with everything. Not just in our personal obedience, but in our devotion to getting connected to serving the body of Christ. So what should happen is that as we rejoice in our sonship, we should seek to know how and where can I be of the greatest use in the body of Christ. That's what should happen. As I rejoice in my heavenly father, just like children that are trying to find, okay, what can I do to make my daddy smile? What can I do to make my daddy smile? What, what can I do to make my mother happy? What can I do to please them? It should be the same thing going on inside of us. And you know how we please him? We please him by living by faith. How do we live by faith? By walking in obedience to his word. How do we walk in obedience to his word? By knowing what the scriptures say. And as we learn what the scriptures say, we will find here, just like we read in 1 Peter, that each of us has received a gift. Therefore, we should minister it to one another. Because what? Because that brings glory to the Father. And anything that brings glory to the Father pleases him. Hello. And so we should ask, God, where is it that I can serve? And so in closing, and I am closing now. It's my first close, and I will only close once. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you are not serving, if you're not serving, what's holding you back? If you're not serving in the body of Christ, what is it that is holding you back? Maybe you have character issues. Maybe you have problems or that, that, that are holding you back. Maybe you have unforgiveness. But here's the thing. Character is a requirement, church, because that may be the thing that is holding you back. It may be that you just don't have the character to really serve because you can't deal when people, you know, get on your nerves. Hello? I want you to know you ain't going to be able to serve too long if you can't handle people getting on your nerves because it's going to happen. Hallelujah. <laughs> people going to let you down. They're going to say, yeah, I'm going to be there, and they won't be there. It's going to happen because their character is being developed. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to do this together, and you're the only one that shows up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't be, I'm, I'm not talking about me. See, you, 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 you think I'm talking about me. Look, look. Glory to God. Listen, listen. It's going to happen. But maybe that's why you don't get involved, because, you know, you, you, you've heard the terror and horror stories of how people are. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stay in the back. I'm just going to chill out. I'm not going to get involved. No. The way that your character is developed is, number one, by Christ, number two, by his church. By Christ personally, your character is developed as you pray, as you fast. Yes, I said fast. I know that's not a popular word nowadays. As you pray, as you fast, as you worship him with your lifestyle, as you study his word, as you reach out to the lost personally, this is how your character is developed through Christ. And it's the same way connecting to the church. 
As you connect and you come and your character grows as you connect with the body of Christ, coming and participating in the different services and the different Bible studies, submitting unto leadership and relationship. That is how we do what, church? That is how our character is developed. And here's the reason why character is so important. Because there are plenty of folks, there are plenty of people who recognize they're gifted who recognize they're talented, who recognize they could offer something that would be a, a contribution to the whole of the body, yet they are not willing to pay the price. This, this is where the disconnect is. Because when you look at the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, he tells Timothy, he runs down what the standards were for bishops and elders, what the standards were for the deacons. He said, look, there are some things that need to be in order before they can go ahead and serve. Because if those things are not in order, then you know what they become? They become wishy-washy servants. They become those servants that can't be depended on. They become those servants that are gifted, but then when you get to know them personally, you start to see all the flaws in their life, and you know what ends up happening? Those are the ones that have a whole lot of people in here. I mean, I'm not saying this to offend anybody, but those are the ones who have tons of people out there and say, yeah, I'm never going to church again because I went to church. Hear me. It's because they dealt with folks who may have been gifted but didn't have the character that was necessary. Now, I want you to know, none of us are going to be perfect. My goodness. I fall short all the time. But when we are bound by love, it's a totally different scenario. Because we can forgive, we can get past those things, and we can move forward. But here's another thing is that I can recognize when I'm wrong. Hello. So here's the issue, church. When we can't recognize that, that will scare people away. So don't worry about being perfect because you're not going to be. Don't worry about failing because you are. Don't worry about doing something that's not right because it's going to happen. Learn to admit when you're wrong and you'll move a whole lot of mountains out of the way. This is my closing statement. I was closing. This is my closing statement. To those 50% who are presently serving, be encouraged. The Bible says... Do not grow weary in your well-doing. In due time, you'll reap a harvest. And that harvest is going to come when you meet the king of glory. And he, and he blesses you fully and says, enter in. Well done, good and faithful servant. To the 50% that are not yet serving, please know that the next level of Faith Doma Fellowship is connected to the gifts locked up inside of you. So I'll stand to our feet.